Well, when you came, just go, I'll just scoot back just a little bit. When you came in this evening, you should have gotten two things. Uh, one, a candle, okay, that looks like this. And if you didn't, uh, we have them back there on the sound booth in a little basket. Um, and we ran a little low, which is awesome because that means that you all came tonight. And then a baseball card. Did everybody get a baseball card? Hold up your baseball card for me. All right. And it's probably kind of hard to see because it's kind of dark in here. And that's on purpose. Um, but let me tell you a couple things about these baseball cards. And this is for you. This is my gift to you tonight. You're welcome. Um, Merry Christmas. It's maybe your first gift, and you got to open it before Christmas Day. And uh, most, if any, of these baseball cards have no redeeming value whatsoever. And uh, I'll talk about that in just a moment. Um, but uh, I just have a, qu- a couple questions before we get to talking about these. What determines value? Do you determine value? Uh, the practical way, one practical way in, in the business world is supply and demand, right? That determines the value. We've seen that played out in a lot of different ways over the last year or two or three. <clears throat> uh, but in business, if there's a certain item available that you have and somebody else wants to purchase it, you get to set uh, said price. But the price is really irrelevant until someone is willing to purchase it, Correct? And so you have a value, but the value is not relevant until someone is willing to pay the price. So um, another way to determine value, uh, maybe in the art world. There's four factors in the art world, and that's where we kind of get into the baseball card world too. Um, The first value uh, factor in the art world, um, like for paintings and sculptures and things like that, is quality. Okay, quality is important in uh, fine arts. So um, we're talking Thomas Kincaid, or we're talking three-year-old handprint turkey, right? So um, quality is important. And the value of Thomas Kincaid compared to the value of handprint turkey, different, exactly. Rarity, that's another factor. That's the second factor. Rarity, okay, um, Thomas Kincaid only paints one type of, um, of portrait or picture, um, and there's a lot of different kinds of handprint turkeys, right? So they're not very rare. Uh, market appeal. Now, this is where a handprint turkey overrides Thomas Kincaid because I hold pretty firm to three-year-old. If my three-year-old's the one who made handprint turkey, I have higher market appeal correct? And then lastly is condition. Condition. Uh, if there's a big hole in the middle of your gorgeous painting, the, the value is not near as high, right? Or if, in, in, in some cases, they would paint over those po- portraits to protect the anonymity or the value of the real painting that, that was in, um, in question. But the truth is, An item is only valued if someone is willing to purchase it. Here's what I mean. Take out your card. Hold it up again. If you can see the back of it, okay. So I started collecting baseball cards when I was around seven, okay. It was about 1982, um, if you want to try and figure out how old I am. Um, And I would take the money that I earned from working on the farm in Bonner Springs, Kansas, and I would go to the Ben Franklin, 
and uh, I would get baseball cards. And yes, I would eat the little hard as a brick gum that came in the baseball packs, okay? Um, and I would arrange the baseball cards. I would thumb through them, and I'd see who I got. And, and eventually, I would I'd arrange them. Um, I've told you this before, maybe. My strength finders, I'm an arranger. That's my number one strength. So I would put them in different ways. I'd put them by team. I'd put them in numerical order because on the back of your card, there's a little number in the corner. There, there, there's a number, one through 700 and whatever, Okay however many they printed that year. And so I would put them in different orders. Uh, and the ones that I valued the most were the Kansas City Royals, okay? And that's because, first of all, in the 80s, the Royals were really good, okay, the early 80s and the late 70s when I was born. And so I loved the Royals, and I would set them aside, okay? Now, for some reason, there weren't always a whole lot of Royals in baseball packs. I don't know why. Um, that I, I never got that. But especially George Brett. George Brett was my favorite baseball player. He still is. And um, I, would, I would look for George Brett cards every pack, hoping above all hope that I would get one of his cards in any pack that I got. One day, um, Scott Smith, he uh, was a, one of the guys, that, he was a high school kid that worked on my dad's farm. He sold me about a grocery bag and a half full of baseball cards for like five bucks. And uh, he didn't want them anymore. He didn't care. And this was heaven to me. Oh, my goodness. So many baseball. There was probably 2,500 cards in there, 2,000, 2,500 cards. And I'll be honest, a lot of them in that, in that bag were more, worth more than the $5 that I spent. And, and it's awesome. And so... Um, some of the, and and uh, when it comes to the value of those cards, uh, I had to look at a few things. And I spent all kinds of time. There were all kinds of different years um, dating back even into the 60s, which was awesome because he got some from his, his parents and his older brothers and sisters. So it was cool. Um, and and I, I was just over the, over the moon. It was kind of the beginning of my inventory of, uh, of baseball cards. And to this day... My parents still get me a set of baseball cards for my birthday. So, just a fun fact. But uh, when it comes to baseball cards, there's a few things when we're talking about value that you have to think about. The first thing, the very first thing, is the player. Because the guy that's on your card, the player on your card, um, chances are you've never heard of him. All right? This is Jose Uribe right here. Anybody big Jose Uribe fans out there? Okay. And if you know the person on your card, it says a couple things about you. One, you're probably over the age of 40. Um, no offense. It's just that's the era of card that I picked out of my little stash. And then you're, or, or you're just above average baseball fan. Okay. And I, I could put you in that category as not to make fun of your age. Uh, and I'm not really making fun. But you turn over that card. If you turn over that card, the numbers on the back kind of list, an, in any uncertain term, the value of that player. Okay? And the player is important. But the numbers on the back tell you how valuable that person is to their team. 
And Jose Uribe, he's pretty good. He played for, well, so far, he's played for nine years, so he's pretty good. Now, let's be honest, anybody who has a baseball card, they're pretty good. They're in the major leagues. They're no, they're no slouch. Um, and so uh, you also know that if it's a rookie card or not, because, you know, if it's their very first one, uh, the very first time it was printed, that gets more value, and so the player is important. Second thing you need to know is the card, the card itself. There's all kinds of different kind of, uh, of types of cards, right? There's Tops, there's Donruss, there's Bowman, there's uh, uh, Upper Deck, there's all, and you just keep naming them, okay? There's Fleer, there's probably nine more that I don't know about anymore because I don't really collect them that much any longer. But similar to fine arts, the, the better condition the card is in, the more valuable it is. And nowadays, you have to get them certified by somebody that's really important, and they'll tell you whether it's graded, you know, really mint condition. Mint condition is the best you can get. And, but if the corners are a little bent, like, like that, because like this, or they're a little feathered, because when they get old, they fade, because it's cardboard, right? It's just heavy paper. And, and so... Um, the condition goes downhill the older they get, the more you, your greasy fingers touch them. Or if you're a kid and you draw on them or you put them in your bicycle spokes, those ones, they don't have much value anymore. And, and so there's the player, there's the card, but then there's the, the third thing is the appraiser, the person who's willing to value your card. And today you can go online and find all kinds of resources, right, of what your card is worth. But back in the day, you'd subscribe to Beckett Baseball Weekly, and they would tell you what your card was worth week to week if you had the, enough coin to get it week, week after week. But they didn't tell you every single card, only the ones they felt were valuable enough to tell you, hey, this is worth it, this is not worth it, this is worth it. And, you know, the guys that are in the Hall of Fame, their cards are worth a lot, especially their rookie cards, and so on and so forth. So here's the thing. You have this baseball card, Jose Uribe. And I have a whole book up here. And I looked for mine. These are actually Jackson's. And uh, I thank him for allowing me to borrow them. Um, but here's the thing. Uh, there, there's two very important keys to the value of these cards that, that we haven't talked about. Because someone, uh, some of the cards, they're probably worth maybe a couple bucks, okay? maybe, maybe even 10 bucks. But the value here really relies on two things. Am I willing to sell it? And is somebody else willing to purchase it? And unless those two things exist, these cards are worthless, Right? And as you can tell, they're still in this book, so they are what? Worthless. Yeah, they're worthless. Um, and you're out there all wondering, okay, Paul, uh, it's Christmas Eve, talking about baseball cards. What in the world are you getting at? Because we were thinking Christmas Eve, we're going to hear about the manger, the heavenly hosts, and uh, all that stuff. But the idea here, the whole idea of Christmas and the story of Christmas is how valuable you are to God and what he was willing to pay for you. And um, I'm, I'm going to share with you 
uh, just a couple of things, but here's a very fam- there's a very familiar vo- verse in the Gospel of John that reveals just how much God values you and me. Okay, you'll find it reference on poster board when Harrison Bucker is kicking a field goal. All right, or maybe you saw it last you know, over the last few weeks at uh, in a World uh, World Cup soccer match. Okay, maybe you've seen it in the eye black of professional football players like Tim Tebow. Okay, John three sixteen, and and this tells you about the how much God values you and me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God shows us how much he values you and me, nearly every word of that verse. So here's what I mean. I kind of, the emphasis on there is, is mine, okay, just in case you didn't know. For God so loved the world. We're, we're part of the world. He didn't just kind of love, right? Um, God didn't just love when he felt like it, the world. He didn't flip over the baseball card of your life and make sure that you were good enough to love. He so loved you. He so loved you. And that phrase just keeps going from there. That he gave his one and only son. This is the Christmas part, people. This is the giving. The giving and the receiving. This, this verse encompasses the giving and the receiving of Christmas over and over again. That he gave his one and only son. Jesus is born into this world. This mint condition son of God was born into this not-too-mint-conditioned world that has its share of bent corners, right? That whoever believes in him will not perish, okay? This is the gift that we get, okay? That he gave, we receive. What do we receive, okay? If we believe in him, our life, much like the value of our baseball card, we have to be willing to let go of it. In order for me to, to uh, place a value to sell this baseball card, I have to be willing to let go of it. And our lives are no different. And we have the opportunity to believe in the one that came and gave his life for us. And if we do, we can have everlasting life. That's the gift that we receive. He gave, we can receive that's the final value of our life. Eternity in heaven in the presence of God. That's our reward if we surrender our lives to him and accept that free gift of grace. And if God, but, but God goes one step further. One step further than putting a value on the world, okay? Because you see, I can place a value on my Jose Uribe, Okay? Let's say I place $500, okay? Raise your hand if you would like to purchase the card for $500. Nobody, right? I see that hand. Be willing to pony up the dough, right? $500. But the value and the price are not the same. I value this 
at $500, but nobody's willing to pay the price for it. The value that I put on the card and the price that you are willing to pay me for it, they're different. See, God valued the world, no doubt, right? God so loved the world. But God also put a price on the world that he gave his only son. And God was willing to pay the price for giving up his only son as a sacrifice for our sins. But Jesus was willing to pay the price while he was here and be that perfect sacrifice for our sins. So we always remember that unlike this baseball card that I gave you tonight, again, your free gift just for showing up tonight, that you are highly valued in the heart of God. And that you are not only valued, but Jesus was also willing to pay the price being asked for you. And what better gift can we receive during Christmas time?